Amen and amen. All right, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Dylan, thank you for leading us in that song. That song means so much to me. I know Pastor Brad, our lead pastor here at Bethany Ballard, told a story once where his dad, who's since passed, had that hymn printed and framed in his office. So I just love that. And indeed, we serve a God who is faithful, a God who is faithful, as we just sang. So uh, in a moment, we're going to be reading out of Galatians chapter 5. I don't know if any of you actually bring Bibles to church anymore. If you do, please turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we'll be reading 22 through 29. If not, the words will be on the screen. All right, let's jump right in. Galatians 5, 22. But if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, if you're new with us, first I just want to say we're so glad you're worshiping with us here at Bethany Ballard. Truly, I hope you feel welcome, whether that's here in person or online. And second thing I want to say is we've been camping out in this text, looking at the fruit of the Spirit all summer long. And what we've been doing is taking one of the characteristics per week and diving into that. And today, as you've heard sung, as Jen mentioned, we're going to be looking at the fruit of faithfulness. In our time together, uh, we're going to do a couple of things. The first thing we're going to do is examine the life of Christ, a story in Matthew 26, as he embodies faithfulness for us, our perfect example. And then we're going to examine three different aspects of faithfulness. When you came in, hopefully you got a handout. You'll see the three aspects that we're going to jump into uh, listed there. And we're going to look at faithfulness as it relates to our relationship with God and as it relates to those around us. A relationship with God, all of us who are walking with Christ, I'm sure hope to hear someday the, the words that Matthew 23 records, well done, good and faithful servant. That all of our striving to worship God, to serve others, will hear Jesus one day say those words. And then secondly, as it relates to our relationship with our human, uh, the, the humans that God's put in our life, that we desire a faithful friend. Someone that we can count on, someone that's there with us through thick and thin. A faithful spouse, faithful parent, sibling, brother, sister, son, daughter. Somebody that we can link arms with and walk through the hard seasons in life. And this morning, I think this topic of faithfulness is really timely because in our hyper-individualistic, often self-centered culture faithfulness is hard to come by. Faithfulness is hard to come by. So no matter your story, the good news this morning, as we just sung, is that we serve a God who is indeed faithful, a God who keeps his promises, never gives up, and is always there with us. And we'll see that in our text here in Matthew. So again, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 26, and we're going to be starting in verse 36, Matthew 26, verse 36. And the story that we're going to be jumping into here is Jesus just left the upper room, so the, the, the last supper with his 12 disciples, and he's taken three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, down to the garden 
of Gethsemane. So let's look at this together. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with them and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When Jesus came back, he found again them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is a powerful scene. And if you remember the order of events, after Last Supper, Garden of Gethsemane, this is the last moment before Jesus is arrested, wrongfully accused, beaten, mocked, going to the cross. And so we see here that even in his begging God, his prayers, him, his pleas, he's embodying faithfulness. And so the first thing we see Jesus demonstrating is he's keeping his promise. And again, if you have your handout and you're taking notes, this is the first aspect of faithfulness that we're seeing. He's keeping his promise. This is the covenant side of faithfulness. If you look at verse 39, Jesus says, Yet not as I will, but as you will. He knows the pain that awaits him on the cross, and he's begging God, please, take, make another way. Yet, he remains faithful. He submits his will to God and stays on the same path, stays loyal. One of my favorite definitions of faithfulness, and it's in your notes, is Eugene Peterson. He says, faithfulness is a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. I love that. And does Jesus not model that for us here in the garden, face down on the ground, and still says, not my will, God, not my plan, your plan. Long obedience in the same direction. Jesus never breaks his promise, never gets off that path, not once. One of my favorite uh, movie series is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I like the books as well. Yeah, all the nerds just, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, okay, I'm not alone. It's awesome. I like the books, but I love the movies. And for those of you who haven't seen the movies, they've been out 20 years. You're never going to see them if you haven't seen them by this point. So forgive me if I spoil, spoil them for you. But my favorite character in the whole series is Sam, Samwise Gamgee. And the two main characters are Frodo and Sam, two hobbits, grew up together, best friends. And after Frodo is asked to go on the treacherous path to Mordor and destroy the evil ring, Sam is tasked to stay next to Frodo, to be loyal, shoulder to shoulder, to help him with whatever he needs. 
And if you remember, after the first, or at the end of the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, there's this scene where Frodo decides he's going to leave the gang. He's going to leave the fellowship and go off on his own because he doesn't want to put his friends in harm's way, including Sam. So there's this beautiful scene where he's at the water's edge and he's, Frodo sees the canoe and Frodo's like, all right, this is my quest. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going out. And then this is what happens. Watch this. Mr. Frodo, a promise. Don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Oh, Sam. I love that. This is why I love Sam. Because he is showing that loyalty. How many are going to go home and watch Lord of the Rings later tonight? Yeah. Okay. All right. You hear that overture? Howard Shore's composition? Oh, it's beautiful. So, but Sam, you see here, uh, he says it. I made a promise. And spoiler alert, he stays loyal to, to Frodo throughout the whole story. So my question is this. Who in your life has God called you to keep your promise? To be faithful. Who in your life right now has God called you to be faithful? So the first aspect of faithfulness is keeping your promise. The second we see in our text in Matthew 26 is perseverance. Perseverance. This is a huge part of walking that long road of obedience in the same direction is perseverance. Perseverance is pushing through even when it's difficult. It's seeing the covenant, the promise that you've made, and not allowing any difficulty to throw you off that road. In Christ, we see here in Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, him persevering through the agony of what's to come. His face on the ground, knowing that he's about to take the sin of the world onto his shoulders. And he still pushes through. And I, I think... I really think we're swimming upstream in our culture with perseverance. Because so much of our context, 
uh, myself included, is based on convenience, comfort, and control. So much of our life is based on convenience, comfort, and control, meaning I want it easy, I want it to feel good, and I want to call the shots, right? And so when that relationship gets hard, I'm just going to jump ship. When my boss has asked me to do things that aren't really my job description, it's too difficult, I'm going to change jobs. Things at church get messy, right? I'm done. I'm going to go hiking every weekend. And I think that a lot of times it's almost applauded in our culture with the you do you, what feels good, do it. If it's too hard, get out. And so as Christians, perseverance can be a tough thing. Because God has made a way for us to push through. And look, there are times when the circumstances are such that you need to change directions, you need to move on, relationships job, I get all of that. But there's a big difference between steering your boat in a new direction and jumping out altogether. There's a big difference between steering in a new direction and just jumping off the ship. In fact, I would submit that most of the time, steering in the new direction, that's the hard part. That's what takes perseverance when it's the right thing. Our family this last year started rock climbing uh, together. Allie, my wife, has been rock climbing for years, and her and our daughter Kylie's way into it. I did it for the first time a couple months ago. And I don't know what it is, but when I got into my 30s, so I'm pushing 40 now, but when I got into my 30s, this insane fear of heights came into my life. Did this happen to anybody else? I don't know if it's an equilibrium thing. I was never afraid of heights before. All of a sudden, it's like I turned 30 and it was like, okay, I'm afraid of heights now. I'm going to die. So you can imagine on the wall for the first time, halfway up the wall, my hands start shaking in volunteer. I'm, I'm barely, like 15 feet up, and my hands are shaking. And in that moment, two things happen. One, a seven-year-old on a much harder route is passing me by. And two, the second thing is, my wife Allie's down on the ground belaying me, you know, holding the rope saying, Dan, I've got you. You can do this. I've got you. And so, as my hands are shaking, it's like, all right, I can do this. It was mainly because I didn't want a seven-year-old to show me up. That was, that's really <laughs> my pride. That's the moral of the story. But no, it's, in all seriousness, it's all right. I can persevere. Why? Because I'm not doing it alone. And Jesus knew he wasn't alone, that he could keep climbing that wall. He could keep taking the steps in that same direction of obedience. He could persevere. Why? The Father's, I got you. I got you. And maybe some of you this morning need to be reminded of that, that you're not walking through alone. You're not persevering alone. What challenges are you facing right now where you need to persevere? When you think about this idea of faithfulness, what challenges are you facing that you need to persevere? You want to jump ship. You know it's not the right thing to jump ship, and you need to persevere. The third and final aspect of faithfulness is everybody's favorite word, patience. Patience. And right off the bat, you should recognize that in our Fruit of the Spirit characteristic, Pastor Scott's son preached here on patience just a couple weeks ago. And I think we see how beautifully they work together. That again, when you think about that long obedience in the same direction, we will not reach our destination if we are not patient. And we know this. 
Faithfulness requires us to be patient and to play the long game, to be in it for the long haul. We see Jesus embodying patience here in the garden, I think in a myriad of ways, but the main way that he embodies patience, in demonstrating patience, rather, is with the three characters in the story that we haven't talked about yet, Peter, James, and John. He's demonstrating patience to Peter, James, and John. And what I love about these uh, three disciples in this story is I think they're doing exactly what all of us would be doing this time of night, sleeping. Um, They just came from the upper room. It's late. They're exhausted. So before we start kind of beating up on these guys, I think they're just playing that game where their eyelids feel 100 pounds. You know, it's me anytime our family wants to watch a movie after 8 p.m. and I'm just kind of... Like, I'm not sleeping, I'm just resting my eyes. You know, like that type, type of thing. And Jesus is patient with them. He comes to them, he asks them, hey, you need to watch and pray, and they keep falling asleep. But he doesn't give up on them. If you look at verse 46, I love this so much. Jesus comes to them finally after the third time, and he says, I just imagine him extending his arm out, helping pick them up, and says, rise, let us go. I love that, the collective in nature. Let us go, for here comes my betrayer. Jesus is playing the long game. He knows these three guys. And look, if we know our church history, these guys are no joke. Peter, James, and John helped change the world. Peter and James are martyred for their faith, faithful to the very end. John was exiled for his faith. And Peter, or Jesus rather sees that in them and demonstrates patience. So my question with this is, what areas of your life do you need to ask God for patience? What areas in your life do you need to ask God for patience? Let me say it this way. Some of the hardest moments in life are the waiting room seasons of life. When you're sitting in the waiting room, sometimes literally and figuratively. And some of you in this room may be in a waiting room season, whether it be with a relationship or at work, or there's things you've been begging God for, and his answer isn't yes, it isn't no, it's wait. And that can be some of the hardest seasons. So let me offer a word of encouragement that God gives us patience. He's not only patient with us, but he gives us that power of patience. And so again, taking those steps on the long road of obedience to know that sometimes that includes the waiting room seasons. So when we think of the three aspects of faithfulness, we have promise, perseverance, and patience. And so as I come to a close here, I want to offer one way that we can demonstrate faithfulness in our lives. I think here at Bethany, uh, most of the time we try to connect our teaching with daily, daily living, daily application. So I'm going to offer one way. And candidly, earlier in the week, I had five ways. Five ways we can demonstrate faithfulness in our relationships and with our families and here at church and in our generosity and all that, which is great. But it was a bolt of lightning to my head earlier in the week as I was reading and studying this, uh, Matthew 26, just jumped off the page, that Jesus powerfully demonstrates one way of faithfulness, the same thing in our lives, and it's through prayer. It's through prayer. 
the cornerstone of this text is prayer. Why does Jesus go to the garden? To pray, to commune with the Father, to beg to the Father, to ask for another way. He prays. What does he ask the disciples to do, Peter, James, and John? Watch and pray. And when you go through the, out the Gospels, Jesus is constantly getting away to be with the Father and praying. When you survey the landscape of, of the Bible, those that God deems faithful have a rich prayer life. And what's incredible about prayer is that it not only connects us with God, and I mean really communing with the Father, but it also connects us in a deep spiritual way with those that we're praying for. Those of you who pray, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes without them even knowing it, we're connected with them because we're covering them in prayer. And so for some of you this morning, perhaps you feel disconnected from God, feel disconnected from those around you. Let's talk about your prayer life. This is one of the most important ways, the vital ways that we can connect with God and connect with those around us. Prayerfulness leads and demonstrates faithfulness. And I'll say it another way. I think prayerlessness can lead to unfaithfulness. Prayerlessness can lead to unfaithfulness because we're disconnected. And so this morning, is Jesus calling you to wake up from your sleep and pray with him? Just like he was Peter, James, and John. I love that some spiritual heroes, biblical heroes, fell asleep. And we should be encouraged by that when we fall asleep. We're in good company with Peter, James, and John. And knowing that Jesus wants us to wake up. He's asking us, asking you to wake up and to pray with him. So have you been wandering, swerving, ready to jump ship? Well, let us commit to being a people of prayer, faithful in keeping our promise, uh, persevering rather through the storms, and patient in waiting for God's timing. None of those things are easy, but they're worth it. Just as God is faithful, great is thy faithfulness, he's called us to be faithful. So in a moment, we're going to celebrate the ultimate act of faithfulness through communion. And before we come to the table, um, let, me, let me just say this. I know personally how deep the wounds that, of unfaithfulness can go. I know personally how difficult the hurt of unfaithfulness can be. For some of you, you had a spouse, made a covenant till death do his part, they committed adultery, unfaithful, and then divorce. Others, it's a parent who neglected you, somebody who's supposed to take care of you, they didn't. You couldn't count on them. A sibling, a friend who broke their promise over and over and over again. So when we talk about things like faithfulness, it can be difficult. Because for some of you, you haven't seen it modeled in your own life. And perhaps you've given up on hope in Jesus because you put your faith in people who kept letting you down. And so, if that's you this morning, I want you to know that I truly understand. And more than that, we serve a God who understands. And just like I said at the beginning of the sermon, I'll say at the end, a God who is indeed faithful. 
A God who keeps his promise over, over, over again. A God that you can count on. The Bible records 8,810 promises made by God. Can you believe that? 8,810 promises made by God, and he kept every single one. Out of all of the 8,810 promises, God has not broken a single one. And friends, he's not going to start with you. God is indeed faithful. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the truth that we see in your word. That Jesus is our example of faithfulness. Not just in the garden, not just with his disciples, but all the way to the cross. And the good news of the resurrection. God, that so many times, and we even see it in the story, that Jesus could have broken his promise, but he didn't. So may that be very real and tangible in our life. You know, we come in here with so much stuff and baggage and stories. Some of us is, is the deep wound. Some of us just simply thinking, how are we going to get through the next week with our kids? And so, Father, I just pray that you'll be real in our lives and evident in our lives that it's worth it. You deserve our faithfulness 100%. What a privilege it is to serve and to love you. Thank you, God. And lastly, I just pray that as we think about the the human relationships, may we be a people that are faithful, that our actions, our lives, the way we spend our money, time, talent, energy, will demand an explanation from the world that just doesn't make sense because we're devoted to you and we're devoted to those around us. Whether we get something out of the relationship or not, that we will be faithful people. So thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope, the peace, the life, and the joy that we find in him. I pray this in his name. Amen. So Dylan's going to continue on in leading us in worship. Whenever you're ready, we want to invite you to the communion table to take the bread that represents Christ's body that was broken for you and for me. And just like he said in the upper room, just before this story in Gethsemane, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then take the juice and drink it, which represents his blood, where we can find forgiveness for our sins. So if you're able, will you stand and worship? And then when you're ready, we invite you to the table.